The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. What matters to me is what happened last night. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, I don't know what's going on. I, you know, for the life of me, you watch a football game, you entertain, you hope they do the best they can, they being the players, and you also hope that everybody else that's connected with the game in any capacity. I mean, you're looking for Rolls-Royce product. You ain't looking for no hamburgers. You, you, you want them to get it right. I don't care what aspect of the game they're connected to. You want the broadcast quality to be the best. You want to make sure, certainly you want to make sure that, you know, the coaching is the best. You want to make sure that the plane is the best. And I'll be damned if you don't want to make sure that the referees are the best in the world. But everybody can make a mistake. And that's not what this is about right now. This is about the business of sports. That's the bottom line. This is about the business of sports. Hey, all you out there, particularly those on my Facebook page, my friends, listen, if you want to call, you got something to say. I told you, if you got something you want Roger to hear, if you don't want to say it to him, put it on my Facebook page. I'll say it to him. But if you want him to hear it, you got to call in. And I got my man out there now, Jeff Taylor from Taylor Blitz. Jeff got a whole lot to tell Roger. And Jeff and I about to tell him what's on our minds. Jeff, how you doing, man? What's going on, Ray? Man, I'm going to tell you. I wish I knew, Jeff. I wish I wish I knew. I saw a couple things you posted. I understand, you know, your position is somewhat the fact that the rule. But I think we might be on different sides of the fence. But I'm going to let you explain from your perspective last night what you think happened, what you think the refs saw last night in the game. And not just that, not just the last play of the game, but the entire game, Jeff. What was going on, man? The entire weekend? What are you talking about? I mean, they were blowing calls left and right. I mean, it was, what, 24 penalties in this game? Exactly. 24 penalties in the game with the Ravens and the Patriots. I mean, the flags are going, but they're not throwing them early to establish control of the game. They've been real inconsistent. But I'll tell you what I saw. So last night when he scrambled, he threw the pass. Jennings intercepted the ball while he was in the air. The whistle hadn't blown, but on his way down is when Tate puts his hands in there and grabs the football. And if you watch that referee that was on the sideline, he didn't get over to see the play until they were laying on the ground and both of them had their arms on the ball. So if he sees them blow the whistle at that exact moment, which he did, that would be a touchdown because – Ty goes to the receiver in a double time, uh, simultaneous possession. Okay, Jeff, okay, I, I can agree with what you said. If the ref had not seen it, 
I think if the ref had not seen it, and also not only the fact that he had not seen it because he was out of position, but another referee saw something and they saw two different things, it now goes to the white hat, if you will. And the white hat is supposed to make the decision. Now, one thing about it also is when they come together and congregate, you know, men of integrity will say, well, you know, I didn't get the best angle at it, but when I got there, and even once he got, because when you saw it on television, when you saw the replay, in terms of some people think it was a simultaneous catch, you can see clearly, as uh, I think it was Jennings, when he rolled over, he had that ball. And, the, and they both witnessed that. The referees witnessed that his shoulder was, you know, that the receiver on the bottom, his, his body was away from the ball. Only his arms were out there. So he didn't have possession of that ball. It never touched his chest. But the white hat should have stepped in. And made that decision. Not that it's an instant replay, but if two different people saw two different things, the white hat gets to make the decision. Yeah, they should. They should have had a conference. That was that was the first thing they did wrong. And that's I what I, I agree. Now there were conferences going on all night long. Why did you think there was not a conference for that? I, I didn't see a conference for that. I saw a mad scramble, but I never saw a sidebar conference for that. Your guess is as good as mine on that one. I, I know they were blowing calls left and right, and they wanted to get, this, get off that field. But I know the NFL has got to get those referees back because this is getting ridiculous. They're no. missing clips. They're missing pass interference calls. There was the one play where Sidney Wright just manhandles the uh, Packers cornerback, uh, and they called defensive pass interference, and the defender didn't do anything. Yeah, it, 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 it ran right over him. It was, it was crazy. Yeah, and you're right. Not only that, and then earlier, too, uh, the wide receiver uh, for uh, for Green Bay running down, uh, I think it's Jennings. He's running down, and the DB just takes him out. Just just takes him out, just mauls him as he's running the pass right towards the end zone. The ball was never thrown to him. He came back later and caught a little touchdown pass. Well, no, he didn't catch a touchdown pass. It was actually down at the one-foot yard line. But I just think, I'm not so, many times when you watch and you play the game, Jeff, the, the calls, if the calls are... Judgment calls, I'm okay with bad judgment, but I, I'm not okay with not knowing the rules. Uh, let's go to the pass um, of which, you know, when the, when, the, when the young fellow was rolling out to see how the quarterback was rolling out, and, and he threw a pass, and it was roughing the passer. He's out of the pocket. He's no longer a quarterback. He's a runner outside He's of the pocket. Now. Exactly. That, that's, that's, not, that's not a judgment call. that you. That's not knowing the rules, but then... Now we got the guy upstairs who, again, that's not a replay call, so he probably can't say anything. But at least I think during this time, you should make some exceptions to the rules. And you, you should make some temporary rules where they are allowed to get information from the guy upstairs in the booth. And he should have been able to say to them, you know what, actually, guys, he was outside of the pocket. So therefore, he's a runner, and you can tackle him down on his knees. You, you, he's a runner. Yep. And so you I. Know, that, that's probably a good amendment. They should do that. But I, you know what? You know what's going to happen this week if the refs, the real refs, don't get back. I'm going to tell you right now. Cornerbacks all over the league should be licking their chops because they're going to be mugging receivers past five yards, knowing that half the time it's not getting called. Yeah, and you know that that that's another interesting part too, is because it's like, okay, well, are the guys calling the game according to what they're at? And it, it looks like they're not. It looks like you are allowed to, you know, bump the receivers beyond five yards. The game moves so fast 
I don't think these refs are accustomed to how quickly, you know, in a fraction of a couple seconds, a person is beyond five yards. So it's almost like you can touch him one time, but your hands need to be off of him because he's gone beyond five yards. But but you're right about that. If you understand through looking at films of what's happened over the first three games of the season, it should give you an indication of what these guys are allowing to happen and what they're not allowing to happen. But I think this week's games are going to be different because there's going to be a summons by Roger to bring the referees in, and I think they're going to go over some of the rules with them and try to, you know, try to educate them a little bit more about, okay, here's what you missed last week, here's what you should have called last week, and here's what you shouldn't have called last week. I mean, it's got to be, you know, some real serious adjustments to the way they're calling these games because, and, and we don't want to go there, but there's like, there was $300 million bet on this game. Now, Roger doesn't care. He don't give a damn about the betters. I, I know that. He doesn't care about that. But still, you know, that is, that's your fan base. And, and your fan base, you know, is kind of excited about the integrity of your game because you're trying to keep it as pure and you're trying to let the game be won on the football field. But when these guys are making these kind of mistakes, you know, it is, it's, it's costing a lot of people a lot of money. Let me ask you something. Do you think Roger gets the same information we do? Does he pay attention to the gamblers? What do you think about that, Jeff? No, I don't think he pays attention to the gamblers at all. But I will tell you one thing. We, one point you just made, pulling in those referees, mandating, you know, telling them here's what you missed, here's what you're going to do, uh, different in these next games. What that's going to do is make them more gun-shy to pull the penalty flag out next time. So I'm going to tell you right now, defenses, get ready, because they're going to be mugging receivers downfield, knowing that the refs are going to be gun-shy to want to pull pull the flag, call a penalty, call a defensive holding. All that is going to be crazy next week. Well, Look for some low-scoring games next week, I'm telling you right now. Okay, let me ask you this, Jeff. Uh, it, it appears that the coaches have, have reached their boiling point. I mean, there's been some guys that are normally pretty composed type coaches, and they've lost it. You know, uh, you know, Belichick said he meant no harm. Obviously, you know, he was just trying to, you know, ask some questions. But you know, Belichick put his hands on a referee. Do you think there'll be, you know, any any warning beyond? I'm sorry, beyond the warning that's been done, there will there now be some penalties assessed, even. An unsportsmanlike conduct penalty for players getting up in referee faces because I think the players are intimidating these referees a little bit too on the field. Yep. I think there's going to be fine later this week. And I bet you that Roger Goodell is going to put something out. Because he's, Roger Goodell is just a PR guy. He really isn't wanting to legislate about the game itself. He wants to legislate about behavior. He wants to legislate about different things. Uh, don't embarrass the shield and all this stuff. He's going to start fighting coaches later this week to try to keep them from doing something to the referees, and they are intimidating the referees. These referees are way over their head, and you can see it. Well, let me you ask you. Let me. Let, let me don't be gun shy. Well, let me ask you about this on the PR side, and you mentioned that R- Rogers, a, a marketing guru. Do you think he enjoys what's happening right now? I mean, everybody's talking about it. Right. It's not. It, 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 it's not hurting the game right now in that aspect. Everyone's talking about the NFL, and that's what they want. It's almost like now we have people that get famous for doing something that should have made them infamous. But now the lines are blurred, and people don't care if they're famous or infamous, just as long as they're talked about. So right now, eh, 
it's causing the NFL to be talked about even more. We haven't even thought about baseball and pennant races because we've been talking about football and bad referees the entire time. And, and, and let me ask you this. There's a guy out there by the name of Pete Carroll. We know him well. I mean, Pete had a chance if he could, if Pete wanted to do anything to gain back any credibility with, with the fan base outside of Seattle. I mean, Pete had a chance to step up and say, hey, you know, you know, maybe the guys didn't get it right, you know, but, and it was something that benefited us this time. It could, it could have very easily gone the other way. But I, I think Pete, you know, he could have taken that moment to gain back, you know, a little bit of, you know, fan loyalty to people who used to like him in the past because, you know, he already left USC out there, you know, just threw USC under the bus. Last night, I thought Pete could have stood up and said, hey, man, you know, he could have took the ref side a little bit. Listen, these guys are out, you know, they're, they're, this is different. It's a different ball game for them. There's a lot of excitement going on. You know, they've never been at this level before. They may not get everything right, but they're doing the best they can. In, instead, he's, he's going to embrace it as if, no, that was a great play that my wide receiver just made, when he knew it wasn't. Yeah. He saw it on the Jumbotron. Now, what do you think about that? Did, d- doesn't he or shouldn't he take the higher road? I mean, I just thought he should have last night. Yeah, and so did Tate the receiver. He should have said the same thing. Like, I, hey, the referees called the way they called it. And Pete Carroll, again, he's just, I, I, I've never liked him. I don't, he's just never been a man of integrity. And you just saw last night when he didn't take the high road and say what he said. What? Yeah, not, I, I think he was thinking, I think he was thinking for the NFL and, and, and knowing that they weren't going to, um, back out of the decision or overturn the decision because if they do, they're going to open the floodgates. Every single time they have a controversial call, maybe the league office will, uh, maybe the league office will flip over. So. No, but that was all, you know what, but Jeff, you make a perfect, that's a great point you just made. Because of the fact that the league was not going to do that, shout out to Snoop. Snoop said it this morning on the Big Boy Show, ESPN. He said that, listen, if you do that, there were so many other bad calls throughout the season that now you got to go back and you got to overturn those, even though they weren't, they didn't affect the outcome of the game, if you will. And, and football players, we always say this. One play does not win or lose a ball game. So even though it appears that the game was won on the last play of the game, we look back at it, and you know this, Jeff, we look back at it, we really assess it. No, the game was lost when Aaron got sacked, you know, what, eight times in the first half. That's when the game was really lost. You know, but the, re- but the reality of it is, is that, you know, that particular time, you know, they could have said something to the effect that, you know, kind of just made people understand that these referees were dealing with the best we have at this particular time. It's not a perfect situation. We understand that. But the call cannot be overturned. So, therefore, Pete Carroll and them should have embraced the fact that these people may have made a mistake. But let's just be patient and not boast in the moment. And I just think that's what it was. For me, that part for him was just terrible. And it, and it speaks to, like you said, and I know Pete well. I, and, I, and, I, and I love the man, one of the best coaches I ever had in my life. But sometimes you don't you don't like what they do and what they say. And I just didn't like the way, you know, he took that moment to kind of boast in the moment as opposed to, you know, take the higher road and say, hey, listen, I, people saw that jumbotron just like I did. Yep. But I'm happy because it's not it is not going to be overturned. Now, you, you did hear and I hear some music, so I'm going to have to take a break. So we're going to talk about this on the other side. Let me take this break. I got Jeff Taylor with me, of course. Jeff is from Taylor Blitz. Check him out. Listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. We'll be right back. Go, 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 go. 
your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Form. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Form or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Right, you hear the music, you know the show. You listen to Rail Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living in like it matters, and I got Jeff Taylor on with me from Taylor Blitz. Uh, Jeff, you know, before we went to the break, I, and I guess I just want to stay on this point only for you know, just to clear some things up, but just to get it out of my system. Of course, I was talking about you know Pete Carroll having an opportunity at the end of the game during his interview to take the higher road. Uh, I think Golden Tate, the wide receiver, you know, he too could have you know. Instead of answering the question, what are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. They too could have taken, he too could have taken a higher role because as it stands out that, you know, the play, it could have been over to Roger Goodell. He could step in and he could reverse that call and award that victory to Green Bay. But again, that would open up the can of worms for so many other games. But I think that rule is that if the if the last play of the game affects the outcome of the game. I'm not sure of that rule. Perhaps I'll research a little bit more. But let me ask you something. If indeed, if the rule only states that if it's the last play of the game that affects the outcome of the game, do you, in your opinion, think that Rodgers should have stepped in and awarded that game to Green Bay based upon the fact if the rule says if the outcome of the, if the last play of the game determines the outcome, then he can step in. I think he, you bring up a good point. I think he should. Because it's the same as um, well, the game cannot end on a defensive penalty. It's the same type of scenario. So they might have to go ahead and look at something like that. Yeah, and I, and I, and I uh, it's out there. It's floating around. If anybody has seen that and, and, and has that... Um, that rule, which they can read from a, a rule book, you know, please give us a call at 888-346-9144. Uh, but in conversation I, I with... right here. 
You got it right. See, I was in conversation with a couple guys earlier this morning, and I don't know what they were reading for them, but they said if indeed if it affects the outcome of the game, that it's the last play of the game, like you said, a defensive pass interference, the game can't end on that. You know, roughing the kicker, the game can't end on that. Anything, any infraction on the defense that has to do with the last play of the game that would prevent the offense then, you know, from scoring or perhaps maybe they get to run that last play. So you're saying you have it, Jeff, and indeed that is the case. So let me ask you something then. Does that rule that you have, it wasn't an infraction on the defense, but does that rule read that if indeed that the outcome of the game will be changed by the results, the way it was interpreted by the refs can be overruled, and Roger has the, the, the opportunity to do that? Is that what that says? No, no, it doesn't say that. I was talking about the actual the possession rule. And I was going to bring up what, okay, it's Rule 8, Section 1, Article 3. If a pass is caught simultaneously by two eligible opponents and both players with chance, the ball belongs to the passers. But right under it, it says it is not a simultaneous catch if a player gains control first and an opponent subsequently gains control, gains joint control. It's what? the side ref's fault for not getting there faster to see that Jennings had the ball clearly before breath that in a nutshell is what happened last night the second he fed touchdown we were done yeah but here's the thing about it there, there was let's say this this what i will agree on we can't confirm if it was a simultaneous catch although although we think we can one thing that we can agree on it was a simultaneous signal given by both of the referees would you agree on that yeah, that we they and we got two different calls. One that, guy was saying he was stopping the clock, and the other guy said touchdown. See, and that's what I'm saying. When there's two different calls, when the simultaneous two different calls, that's when the white hat comes in, and that's the part that I think that Roger and the league need to step up and not defend, but clarify. Okay, there was a simultaneous signal given by two of the referees on that spot of that catch. Why didn't it go to the white hat? And why didn't the white hat give us the only thing the white hat came back and said was that, you know, you know, according to the play called. And, and listen, there shouldn't have been any review. The only review that's that should have been it should have been is, OK, if it was a catch, you know, bottom line, if it was a catch. And if it was if that was the case, because you want to make sure that they help, you know, possession of the ball all the way to the ground. In doing so, in trying to evaluate that, he should have realized that, guess what? He didn't have possession all the way to the ground because he didn't have the ball. The other guy had the ball. Not that he wrestled it from him at all, because that would have been a simultaneous catch, but the other guy had the ball. So, again, you know, I don't want to beat it up too much, but they have to do something about it. Let me just ask you another question about the referees there. Let's move on and let me ask you about, you know, the referees there. Do you think that the players, because I think the only thing that will happen that will change this is if from the union side, because this, again, this is about business. And, and other than the union and the players, it's nobody else's business. It's, it's the media, it's ESPN, it's the, the broadcasting networks and, and all their media partners is their business. But it certainly is the players business. Do you think the players and the union need to get more involved to get a settlement done with these referees? The referees, because it, it affects not only the outcome of games, but in some cases, 
you know, the physicality of the game, if they're missing some calls, some headshots and things of that nature, they're putting the players even at a greater risk. So that in itself, you, you, you know, you got you already got a PR problem with your players being at risk because of some information you may have or may not have known. But now you're compromising the quality of the officiating, which could affect the health of the players. So let me ask you from that aspect, do you think that's something else where the players need to perhaps maybe stop and think about this? We need to put a little pressure. We at least need to ha- we should have a seat at this table as well. They do, and they need and you just mentioned it. Now don't you remember uh what was it? Last week it actually might have been taped. Some one one wide receiver peeled back and hit Sean Lee and led with the crown of the helmet and just wiped him out. Refs totally missed that call. Now, of course, in a football game, if they flag that and start to talk to the players about leaving with the crown of the helmet, hey, listen, don't do it, or we're going to throw a 15-yarder, just like we did here, how many more hits happened during that game that they missed? Because it is putting players at risk. And that's the last thing you're going to have that can possibly happen is a serious injury on the field, then the players' union is going to step up when they need to actually be a little bit more forward-thinking, and they should put pressure on them right now. Because if a player... It's going to be one of these players is going to get hurt, and that's when all of a sudden the players' union wants to get involved. Yeah, and, and I certainly think it's one of those things where I, I really don't understand why the Players Association would not be involved from the very beginning. I mean, they are truly they're, – they're partners. The Players Association – the players rep right now? The, 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 union, the players' rep right now, as a matter of fact, is, is unemployed. <laughs> you know, he's unemployed, so th- there could be an issue there. But certainly what, what, what happened, I think you have to uh, a season to be unemployed and then an active player has to take over. But certainly I believe what has to happen right now is they, they have to come back to a table and they have to make a decision. Now, I understand the problem that we have on the outside looking in is this is the business. And I've often said this, Jeff, the only people that look at football as a game are the fans, the players and the coaches and the owners, they look at it like a business, and now the referees are starting to look at it like a business. So, like many people are saying, us on the outside, we don't quite understand it, but on the inside, they do understand that this is a business decision, but isn't it bad PR not to share at least what some of the issues are, so that at least in terms of, you know, the fans out here who are supporting this business, they could have some say so in it. I mean, one way or the other, it's like, hey, well, at least tell us you're fighting over our money. What are you fighting about? How much of our money do they do they really, you know, are they demanding? You know, how much do they deserve? I think I think that you know, public opinion needs to have some say so in that. And and there's a way they can they can you know they can um, their voice can be heard. They could be heard like right here on a show like this, or it can be heard by you know you know butts in seats or missing butts in seats. Or, or missing viewership, viewership being down. Viewership is at an all-time high, you know. So are they really taking the fans for granted? And also the other thing is you've already said the players should step up more, but are, are the fans, again, being taken for granted even in this because they're paying for something that they're not really getting? The fans have always been taken for granted. Always been taken for granted. I mean, you would think that you have a little bit more say-so, but the only time that you're going to get any business to pay attention to you is when you impact their bottom line. Unless fans stop showing up, unless we stop watching, that's the only time that they're they're not going to 
that they're going to wake up and uh, pay attention to the fans. That's the only way. But, Jeff, it's like an addiction, really, man. Let's be honest about it. You know, it takes up your entire weekend. And, it, and then, it, it, you know, these guys, it's such a powerful brand, and it's so addicting that they now have, you know, taken up your, now it's Thursday, you know, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, you know, man, college football has you on, on Friday nights and, and Saturdays, but football is so addicting that, you know, man, I don't think we're going to get to the point where we're going to stand up and we're going to walk out or we're not going to turn the TV on. We have to, I mean, we wait all year for it, man. I don't think, I think we're at their mercy. I mean, that's the bottom line. I just think we're at their mercy because it's such an addicting sport. And, and I don't know if, the, if it's the competition, if it's the outcome that, you know, that keeps you on the edge, if it's, uh, you know, the, the violence of the sport. I, I really can't tell you what it is, but I can tell you it's very addicting. You've probably been watching it since you were a kid, and, and, and now you've got a couple Absolutely. decades on the earth. Absolutely. Uh, all the stuff I've taped and watched, and I can't get away from football if I wanted to. Well, let me oh, ask absolutely. you, as it, as it really, okay, we can talk about a couple calls, but the quality of football is still there. But has the the calls that the referees either make or do not make, have they really affected the game? That I mean, last night we saw some incidents, where the, but but the quality of play is still there. Is it really affecting the game that much? No, because they're calling bad calls against both teams, and that's and that's what's happened. What what I think people haven't realized or recognized is there's kind of been a changing of the guard early on in this season in terms of teams that are winning and teams that aren't. Well, now you're talking. About, now you're starting to talk about some things that I was going to talk about a little bit later with you. And in fact, uh, in the next segment, you're right. There has been a shift. I mean, there are some te- teams now that are at the top of the power ranking that haven't. They've never, never seen the top of the power ranking in the National Football League. You know, so parity does exist in the National Football League. And and certainly, you know, somebody like you know Aaron Rodgers to be you know man is Aaron is his talent the same level it was because. Well, I think Aaron did what he needed to do to win that ball game last night. I can't blame Aaron Rodgers for that loss last night. I'm, I'm, let me correct that statement. But still, it fought, when you win, you ride your quarterback. When you lose, you ride the quarterback. You ride the quarterback, yep. And, and, that, and that's the fact of the matter. They always find a way to get it done, you know, and when they win. And so when you got to take the heat when you're losing. So, uh, but, but you're right about that. There has been a shift in terms of teams that, uh, you know, who would ever expect you know, the fact that, you know, we got some people like the Arizona Cardinals. You know, we got, uh, you know, the 49ers, of course, last year, the 49ers looked damn good. You know, but the 49ers haven't been anything, to, you know, to write across country about, you know, to ride across country about, to go see a game. You know, to, hey, just it's slowly but surely, you know, now they're back into the thick of things and a team to be recognized with. But but teams like the Arizona Cardinals and 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 the, and the Texans, and, you know, even the Falcons, you know, even though they've looked good, it's like, okay, well, they've looked good, but when it comes to playoff time, you know, you're going to really bet your money on the Falcons, you know, so we, we do yeah, have some, the hard part. yeah, we do have some things that have changed. So, I'm, you know, like you said, and I got to commend you on the, and pointing this out, is that the refs are not making it bad for one team, 
<laughs> They're making it bad for all teams. With that being all said, we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back and talk about some of these new powerhouses according to the power ranking in the National Football League. You listen to Rail and Sports on the Voice America Network. I got my friend with me, Jeff Taylor from Taylor Blitz, and we'll be right back. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports you may not know all their names but you certainly know what they did they helped make this game into what it is today now we can do more to help them the nfl alumni association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow to learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spies her, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bitch his ass and then move oh, on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. All right, you hear the music, you know the show. You listen to Rail and Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. And, of course, I got my, my friend on the phone with me, Jeff Taylor from Taylor Blitz. And, uh, you know, Jeff, you and I have been going back and forth, you know, about, you know, a number of things that happened. Of course, everybody wants to talk about the game last night. Everybody's, you know, quite upset about the fact that it appears that the referees, you know, blew some calls, perhaps maybe affected the outcome of the game. But I'm, I'm old school, man. I'm, I'm always going to say that the game is you won or lost on the field. What you should do is always... You know, don't let the referees, you know, win or lose the game for you. You know, you gotta, you gotta win the game, have it out of reach so much so that, uh, you know, you don't have anything to worry about. You know, and That's I don't, right. I, I don't think that happened. Uh, let me just tell you, I asked a couple people, I said, listen, man, if you had something you wanted to say, uh, just let me know and, uh, either Jeff or myself will say it and, uh, we'll make sure that Roger hears it. But, uh, somebody says, uh, Seattle has the best record in uh, Monday Night Football. 
Somebody says uh, Earl Thomas is the best young safety in the league. Uh, what else? Uh, somebody says uh, uh, Jeff, uh, keep loving in the Seahawks jersey. <laughs> you know, but um, I'll tell you what I missed. I kept, I asked a rhetorical question in my article last week when I was uh, talking about the NFC West. I said, do you realize of all the defenses everyone's talking about, San Francisco's defense, Arizona's defense, I said, the highest-ranked defense in that division is the Seattle Seahawks at number six. I said, now, if they just throttle Dallas, and if they turn around and beat Green Bay, do we take them as, are they for real? Let me ask you. You watched the game. You just talked about they just sacked Aaron Rodgers eight times, right? That's right. With that defense, if they just keep running the football with Marshawn Lynch and minimizing mistakes by Wilson, the quarterback, can we take them seriously? Because they're two and one, and their only loss was to the Arizona Cardinals. Well, I, I think we can. I think we can take them seriously because, for one thing, the division that they're in, you know. But but that division now is, is not so much. It used to be extremely weak. But I, but if you, if you look at that division now, you know the San Francisco 49ers got a good football team. The Arizona yeah. Cardinals have a good football team. You know, and and, the, and, and and Seattle's got a good football team. So now, all of a sudden, the, the division, instead of it being a laughing stock of the league, is a division to be recognized with. And I and I will say this: here's what I think. Here's what makes them competitive and somebody to be recognized with, and not to take him lightly. Man, Marshawn Lynch will knock you out. He hit you with a Joe Frazier type punch running that ball. And that's what, that's what I like. And then another thing is Pete Carroll, and I'm going to go all the way back to 1979. Pete Carroll, when it comes to secondaries, I'm going to tell you, it'll take him some time, but Pete will put together a second, secondary that will be recognized in the National Football League because that's what he is. At heart, Pete is a DB. And Pete wants Mm -hmm. his cornerbacks, if you play in cover two or man to man, he wants them to beat them up. He wants you to beat him up. He wants big, strong corners that can run. He wants safety that can hit, that can tackle. And Pete will pound that ball. So I'm going to tell you what. Okay, in my opinion, are they for real? They're for real. And I'm going to tell you, you know, Pete Carroll's attitude. He's still a kid at heart. He approaches the game that way every week. You know, Pete will take the win any way he can get it. He'll take an ugly win over a pretty loss any day. I'm with him on that one. And he's got Mershon Lynch, and he's not afraid to give him the ball. So I'm gonna tell you what, man, they they are a team to be reckoned with, and 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 I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt really, I wouldn't doubt if they 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 somehow a wild card. I'm not gonna say that they're gonna you know, I I do like the Arizona Cardinals. I don't know if I can trust Kevin Cobb, you know, to be the person that that takes his team, you know, all the way through the season and, and wins this division. I, I don't know if he can do that. I, I still think the 49ers could win it, uh, and but it would be a shame if 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 the Cardinals didn't make it to the playoffs. But right now, I think they're going to have to fight the Seahawks for that playoff wild card spot because I think the 49ers are going to win the division. Yeah, they probably will. But you do realize that the Cardinals split with them last year. The Cardinals split with the 49ers last year. Oh yeah, they did. Well, the Card- well, here's the thing about it. I've always I came I came to Phoenix. I moved here in 2006, and I will tell you from the day that I arrived in Phoenix, I've always admired the Arizona Cardinals, the effort of their defense, the the, the tenacity that that defense has played with and consistently plays with all the time. Now it's the tenacity 
and and the energy that they play with is consistent but they are subjected to you know a couple big plays every now and then but they're a good strong fast football team and they play with energy every time and emotion every time on the defensive side that's consistent what's been inconsistent particularly since Kurt Warner has been gone is the offense. The offense has, has not shown up consistently. And I'm still waiting for my man, loving to death. But it's something about Beanie Wells that he just can't get on track the way I want him to get on track. Because Beanie is a force to be wrecked. He's another Marshawn Lynch. When he runs that ball, Beanie runs that ball. Him and Marshawn, they run angry. You, you, if you're a corner, yeah. you don't you don't want to jump in front of them because they they're mad at something. Probably because you're in their way, <laughs> you know. But but Beanie runs like he's mad, and I like that kind of running game. But from my perspective, I don't think the Cardinals have shown up with a consistent offensive game week in week out since Kurtz has been off the field. What do you think about that? Absolutely, and they're along those same teams that keep lining up in all these passing formations, and they don't have a quarterback to do it. Well, listen, if your strength is your defense. Line up in some two tight end, line up with your back in the eye, and run football right at them. Get back to some seven-on-seven blocking sled type running plays. But you know, keep trying to run with Beanie Wells. They keep running it with trickery plays, pitching it to the outside. That's not Beanie Wells. Beanie Wells is a one-step and then go straight through hole three, straight through hole five. They need to run him right out of defense, and it's not the yard. It's going to be the attempt and beating down the defense physically and emotionally, taking their will. That's what the Cardinals need to do. I know they want to throw it to Larry Fitzgerald, but you don't have the quarterback that can actually go from progression one to progression two, progression three, get rid of the football on time, and know where he's going, his hot routes, everything. So since they don't have that in Skelton or in Cobb, run the football and run it with three running backs throughout the course of a game. Do what the Vikings are doing. Yeah, I think slowly but surely, you know, things are changing. And, and we know this, Jeff, I, and I don't even know where this ever came from, but it, it's, it's true. It is, the NFL is a copycat league. And, and I believe, but I believe the San Francisco 49ers and, and, and also I believe that the Seahawks are kind of old school a little bit and going back to a little bit of that, you know, that, that ground and pound game. And and, and and the running game is always supposed to set up the passing game. The passing game will never set up your it, football. Just doesn't work like that. You need to set up that running game and that play action pass. And if you got a quarterback that can do it, and you got a, a wide receiver, you know that that's that's cunning enough that he could you know make you think he's going in for that block, and the next thing you know he got a double move on you and he's gone. Absolutely. You, you know you can make some things happen, and and, and so I'm I'm really looking forward to. You know, seeing the way this thing plays out, particularly in, in this conference, you know, in this division over here, and particularly I'm, I'm looking to see how it plays out. But I, I got to say right now, that's one of the more interesting, you know, divisions. And I'd be interested to know besides that one, what other division looks good to you in terms of, man, it's very competitive, and I don't know who might win it. Honestly, the NFC North. If you look at their standings right now, the Vikings at 2-1, and one, are actually in first place. And Green Bay is 1-2 at the bottom. What Green Bay did in losing last night, I know the referee's situation. They just put themselves behind in the wild card race. If it comes down to them and Seattle, Seattle will now have a tiebreaker over them. Yeah, you're, you're, you're right about that. You're, you're right about that. And, I, and I'm going to say this to you. I would have never, if you'd asked me 
you know, prior to the season starting, you know, at this almost, you know, first quarter of the season at an end, would Green Bay be where they are looking up to Minnesota? Would Minnesota be looking down on Green No, I would have never said that. You would have got laughed at. You would have been laughed at, and you never would have been taken seriously again. That's you know what the funny part is? Green Bay is 1-2, and two, and they barely beat Chicago, who imploded. If they wouldn't have had that fake field goal, would they have won that game? Green Bay is this close to being 0-3. This close. Yeah, but I'm going to say, Jeff, I, I'm, I'm going to give that to Coachy, man. There's very few times in, in the league, uh, you know, you always hear about, you know, is it is it coaching? Is it players? Is it players and coaching? Is You know, and I think it's a combination. And I'm one of those guys where I just think, listen, I don't care. If you ain't got great players, you're not going to win. You know, so I don't right. care what a, a great coach is not going to win ball games with, with terrible football players. You know, it's almost like, you know, the referees. You know, you got if you got some subpar referees, they're not going to call a great game. They're just not, you know, they don't have the ability to do it. You've got to have great players. And so, you know, it, but it, there are times, you know, just like in, uh, you know, in the Super Bowl, you know, when uh, when Sean Payton calls that onside kick. I mean, that was genius. That was genius. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when Green Bay comes up, you know, with a fake, anytime you can, you know, it's a mental chess game and you win that mental chess game, that's that's the coaching. Everything else out there on the field, once the players, you know, there's a snap of the ball, you know, you can watch the game and you can, if I break down every play, Jeff, I can actually tell you, and you probably can too, when there is a mental mistake as opposed to a physical mistake. For me, I would even say this. I even assess and evaluate tackling as a mental mistake. Because when you tackle like a Samuel, you know, with the Eagles, and you don't wrap your arms, you don't keep your head up, that's a mental mistake because you're taught the process of tackling and everything you're supposed to do. So when you don't do some of that, that's a mental mistake. You didn't, you didn't do that. But if you do all that, and you try to wrap up Beanie Wells, and he still runs up your chest. That's a physical mistake, you know. <laughs> you can't, there you, go. you you can't count for that. So, uh, you know, coaching. You know, I, I think again, when you look at coaching, and and you look at the job that they're doing, I got to give. Let let's stay out here, if you will. You know, in in the NFC West out here, you know, I got to look at and give Harbaugh. I got to give him all the props in the world because he's still doing a great job, you know. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, people didn't expect. I don't think they expected him to win as quickly as he's won and consistently. So I, I'm going to yeah. say he's doing a good job. Uh, you know, Wizard Hunt. You know, hey, he's been to the Super Bowl once. You know, yeah, you got some talent. We expect. We really expect you to go back. So I'm not going to say necessarily that the Cardinals are a surprise. Let me ask you from a coaching perspective: What coach has surprised you this year in terms of him having his team ready? Leslie Frazier with Minnesota. There you go. I was man, I got it written down right here because Leslie he was out the door. He had one foot out the door. Am I right? Pretty much. They 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 were throwing with with him and Donovan and took, if he wouldn't if he wouldn't have made that change and put Don said Donovan down, they had him out the door. I mean, I think that Darn. saved that saved his job when he set Donovan down, you know, and and Ponder got in. You know, I think that saved his job. But hey, man, it, I, I'm I'm surprised at the job that he's doing this year. If you take away just that overtime kick, um, what's the kicker's name? Adam Vinatieri against the Colts, that's their only loss. I mean, they've been competitive in each game. They are almost 3-0. and So I want to see what they do with that defense 
when they start facing the Packers, when they start facing the Lions. Because all of us that are talking about football wrote Minnesota off. I mean, I had them in like, what, 3-13 and 13 or 4-12 and 12 this year. Heck, that's 2-1 and leading the division right now. Yeah, and that's... And they smacked that, the 49ers right in the mouth if you watch that game. They played smack mouth right with them running Peterson and running Gerhardt. What's really happening is what we're seeing is we're seeing old-school football versus space-age football. You're seeing all these teams line up with all these four-receiver sets, five-receiver sets, empty backfield, and then there's just a few teams that are running the football with power. Yeah. Because there's nothing more powerful in football than knocking your opponent back. <laughs> you got that, Jeff. Hey, we're going to – the running game. Hey. It never comes from the passing game. So, like, when you said running sets up the pass, passing will never set up the run, that's a perfect statement. Perfect statement. And when you hit someone right in the mouth, it's – Sets the tone for the rest of the game. You got it. Hey, it hey, like Jeff. Playoff, it was like you remember that playoff game with um, what was it? The NFC Championship with Green Bay and the New York Giants back in 2007. And that first play, and Brandon Jacobs comes screaming off tackle and runs right over Charles Woodson. Right over him. Right over him. When that happened, I'm like, the game is over. I'm telling you now, the Giants are going to win. <laughs> the Giants are going to impose their will on the Packers, and the Packers are going to keep passing. That's what happened in last year's playoffs when the Giants faced them. That's what happened when the 49ers faced the Packers early on this season, and everyone's playing that same way. But that division is uh, Minnesota's, Minnesota's going to ruffle some feathers. Yeah, I think I, whenever, what I've seen. whenever you can establish a running game with a back, I, I don't care when, when he's hot, you you got to ride that horse. You, you ride that horse till, you know until the game's over. Make him stop it. You know, that, that that's one thing about it. I remember watching uh, you and I, the Steelers and the Cardinals uh, in the Super Bowl. It was a little hitch pass that, 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 that the Steelers kept throwing and the Cardinals wouldn't stop it. They kept throwing it. They kept throwing it. You know, whenever you got something and it's working and it's hot, you, you got to stick with it. You got to stick with it. So listen. Well, coaches I, keep wanting to try to be geniuses. Everyone wants to show that they're this genius. They got this great play calling. So they want to show all these different exotic looks. And they're not establishing their team's offense, so their offense is very sporadic. Yeah, let me run let... the football until they stop it. If they don't stop it, the hell with it. Yes. Give the running back the football thirty-five times, forty straight times if you have to. Okay, let me just ask you, Jeff, because I can't, go, I, I can't let you go without, you know, man, we got to be like everybody else. Revis is out. Up in New York, I see no reason to panic right now. First of all, let's see. I think it's a first round or a second round that's going to step into his position. I've heard some things where it's time to throw Tebow in because they need a little bit more production on the offense. What the hell's Tebow on the offense got to do with Revis going down on the defense? You know, what do you think about the Jets' chances of uh, making to the playoff? None whatsoever. I think they're in panic mode, and I don't think they did enough to improve that football team. They walked out with that one game against Buffalo, scoring 48. I don't even know. What happened? But I wrote an article about that. You're going to replace a quarterback that completes 56% of his passes for one that's going to complete 46% of his passes? I don't see what they're seeing. And everyone, Tebow's the winner. Tebow's the winner. Yeah, but Tebow was also the quarterback of a team that got blown out four times last year where they gave up well over 40 points. But no one seems to remember that. With Tebow, they can play 11-on-11 football if they have running plays for him, the same way the Carolinas doing with Cam Newton. Is it enough to sustain offense to win a complete football game? Not in the NFL. Not in the NFL. I don't see it. You have to have running. You have to have passing. You've got to have balance. Let me ask you one other thing that's out there. It's the topic of discussion a lot of people. You know, you obviously see what's happening with, uh, with New Orleans. 
can we attribute that to the fact that Sean Payton is not there? Is that what is that the problem? That's one. Absolutely. The other one, Dorma, their spiritual leader is not there, and that defense—they're not tackling anybody. But yeah. I knew that Sean Payton's in-game adjustments were going to be missed. They've fallen behind in all of them. And the only time they start scoring is when they go to two-minute offense and then get themselves back in the game. But players still got to make plays, Jeff. You know how that is in football, man. When somebody goes down, somebody goes down. So, I mean, if the coach is not there, you still got to make plays. You, you, you know, when I go out there, they, they made the Chiefs look like world champions. They did. Charles ran for 233. I mean, that was ridiculous. But you, but you do remember. Now, it's not that Sean Payton's not there. you got to keep in mind. Oh, yeah, you got some players missing. You're right. You're right. There's some pieces to the puzzle missing. You're right. But you. But remember, the interim coach is Joe Vitt. He's not even there because he's serving a six-game suspension. They're down to a third person to be the head coach. But you know what? It's like this. I remember my rookie year. My rookie year in the league, then going into my second year. I was, I was such... A confident player going into my second year because the playbook was not new to me. The playbook is not new to the players. It's the production on the field. That has nothing to do with the coach. It's the will. What happened to their will to win? Their heart has been taken out. And they're showing no effort on defense. I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the coach tried something crazy and just replaces two or three starters just to get the message across that you guys are not putting in enough effort. Yeah, you know, now that's now those kind of things happen when you're, okay, w- w- here's what's going to happen now. Man, this is, it's over with, it's done, rated. we're getting old, the team, but that team is, that's still a, you know, relatively young team. I think the nucleus of that team is still there, but if they start making some wholesale changes, yeah, man, that, that there's going to be some serious problems there, but but let's, let, let's stay on the positive side and look at some teams that, you know, we want to know, are they for real? Are the Texans and the Falcons, who are at the top of a lot of power rankings, are they both for real? Yes. Atlanta, their whole plan, has, this is the year it's supposed to roll over. They've been to the playoffs several times. They've gone to playoffs, and um, the last two years, they lost to the eventual Super Bowl champions, and if you go back to the Cardinals' loss in the wild card game, they've lost three times to the eventual NFC champions. Matt Ryan's now in his fifth year. They need, they need to mature and win a football game. Tony Gonzalez is almost on his way out, retirement-wise. This is the year for the Falcons for them to make a push. Um, in the AFC, everyone wants to ride the Denver Broncos, but I'm telling you, they're going to they're, they're gonna be maybe 9-7. and seven. Maybe 9-7. and seven. I see them being one game better than last year. That defense isn't ready. Those receivers aren't ready to, uh, to perform the way Peyton Manning needs. And I think Peyton's going to wear down as the season goes on. Because he sat out all last year, and this is year 15, and this is sports. You can't play forever. If we could, Ray Ellis would still be on the field for the Browns. Man, I'm telling you, boy, I'd still be out there getting that paycheck. <laughs> You're right about that. But but wait a second. Now the AFC still belongs to the to the Patriots and to the Ravens still. Am, am I right about that? Are you telling me that they're not even in the conversation? Yeah, they are. The Patriots are going to write the ship. I'm not, I'm not worried about them. The Ravens, I worry about Joe Flacco. Every time there's a big game, Joe Flacco always falters. There's something wrong with his fight-or-flight mechanism. It's like in that game against the Eagles. He was, they were winning, but he never gets Ray Lewis that defense an extended lead that he keeps the other team in the ball game. Oh, so, so you're going to say he got, he got a problem with that clutch gene like they were trying to say about LeBron. Absolutely. He went 4-for-16 in the second half of that game, and if you watched it, in that last series, all he had to do was get 
four yards to complete the first, to get the first down, run the clock on the Eagles. Without pressure on him, he overthrew it down and out to the tight end. And then comes back on fourth down and immediately checks the ball down to Ray Rice, and he gets tackled before he gets to the first down marker. Okay, well, I got to say that I got to throw this in because, uh, you know, like Snoop said this morning, now Mike Tomlin going to get his ship right now. I, you can't count on the Steelers in that AFC. They got to still be in that picture somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah, they are. They're still playing hard. And matter of fact, the only reason they really lost to the Denver Broncos in week one was James Harrison wasn't there to harass Peyton Manning. And neither was Troy Paul, or not Troy Paul, but uh, Ryan Clark, they're starting free safety. Yeah. Yeah, they, so now, they, you know, when you get the Steelers back on the field and they got that, I forget the name of that new running back, number 33, who was running the rock with some authority, like we've been talking about all show. Yeah. Yeah, you ought to watch the Steelers now. Yeah, you, I don't think you can ever count the Steelers out. I mean, really, when you, if you're talking about the AFC, I mean, I, I don't care unless it's over with. And, and mathematically, they're out of the pitchers. The Steelers are in contention. The Ravens are in contention. And the Patriots are going to be in contention. No doubt about it. Texans might be up there now. But those three teams are certainly going to be in there. Hey, Jeff, I got to tell you, man, I appreciate the fact that you joined me on this show, man. We had a great time. We got to do it again. You going to promise we do it again? Absolutely. I'll be off every every other Tuesday, so we'll be calling and talking some football. Hey, no doubt about it, man. Again, that's my friend there. That is Jeff Taylor of Taylor Blitz. He joined me here on Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. But, hey, man, it's that time. It's been a great show. I've been enjoying it. Michael Vick and my Eagles, come on, man. What y'all doing? Andy. Come on, man. Don't give up on Mike. Are you crazy? It's Mike's team. All right. I'll see you next week. And as always, I'll see you next time, which will be the best time.